Welcome back to Fourth and Forever. Gosh, this is a great day because we got the one, the only Pat McAfee on the show. I brought my hammer. Let's see what he's got. I brought my hammer as well. It might be a little bit larger than yours, but yours is definitely more expensive. Thank you so much for having me on Fourth and Forever. Those are words that I love to hear as a man who used to Mm. bomb balls, pal. Pound it. I love it. Recap this week four. Dude, a lot of storylines. One of my favorite ones. Um, Well, we'll get to the Jalen Ramsey, Golden Tate stuff, but the NFL's first run-in with COVID and, you know, Cam Newton's out, the only one on the team to have it, which seemed a little strange. Uh, and then, obviously, the Steelers-Titans game getting postponed. How do you think the NFL's handled it so far? And uh, what do you think their steps are moving forward? Great question, Mark. I think the thing about the COVID is we don't really know anything about it, I think. We, we originally, right. it was supposed to be a two-week thing where we flattened the curve, and then it became a month, then it became two months, then it became three months, then it became four months, and then you saw the amount of cases and the amount of deaths continue yeah. to stack, and it was like, at one point we were told, and I say this on my show every once in a while, because it was true, at one point we were told that you shouldn't make eye contact with somebody because you could potentially share COVID via your eyeballs and it, hard surfaces COVID lives for three days and and then there's this, these other things like some masks are good some masks aren't so I think with the confusion of what we know about something that has come out of nowhere and kind of taken over the entire world uh, I think that has been an interesting part of this because you would think like the NFL would have a plan in place for if an outbreak happens but then you have to think could the NFL prepare that three players would test positive on a Monday with five personnel, and then two more, and then a couple more, and then have 18 throughout an entire week. And I guess with the Marlins situation when they started, that happened and they had to deal with it and postpone a game. And although baseball and football are very different, I'm sure they saw that. So I think the NFL is, I don't want to say flying by the seat of their pants, but I think they're making decisions as the information rolls in because nothing is really consistent anymore. And I think the way the Steelers-Titans is going to work out because of the bye week set up in week seven and week eight and the Ravens and Steelers being able to move it, I think it worked out perfectly here, but I'm intrigued to see how it is whenever it inevitably becomes, you know, there's going to be more. Yeah. Like, this is going to happen there's, more. And if there isn't a bye week in place, are they going to delay the end of the season? Is everybody going to get another right. couple of buffer weeks? I'm excited to see what they do then because I think that'll be an actual test. This, I think they handled it right, by the way. One day uh, delay. It sucks for the Patriots having to fly out and play on the same day, but, hey, it's 2020. Yeah, that was gonna, wild. Yeah, it's wild. But I'm excited to see what happens here in a couple weeks whenever – I'm not excited, but I'm intrigued to see how they handle it here in a couple weeks when it happens again. Yeah. I'm right with you. I think, you know, the most important thing, obviously, player safety has got to be paramount. It sounds like that's kind of at the forefront and uh, the way it should be. But talk about the Patriots. They play on the same day that they fly in. Brian Hoyer, I mean, he looked great at times. I mean, like totally in command. He looked comfortable. And then there was just like two bonehead plays, right? Um, the the sack before halftime Oh, my God. I can only imagine Bill Belichick because that's like a 10 seconds left, no timeouts. The ball's got to go in the end zone. Reminder that the the clock won't stop until the ball hits the ground. So if you're going to scramble around for a while, like you better dart that thing out of bounds hard or else you're going to lose another second if the ball's just lobbing in the air. But that was like, you know, he's played long enough to know better, and I was really surprised. I can only imagine how chapped Bill Belichick's ass was after that. He's just got to be like, 
Are you kidding me? That's not a Patriots <laughs> thing, Sanchai. I know. That is not. You, I know. You watched that play last night, and obviously everybody on earth that was watching at home was watching the clock and watching what he was doing, and then we all saw him spin into the pressure as opposed to rolling I to know. his right potentially, and we're like, wait, wait, wait. That is not what the Patriots do. That is not what the Patriots do. And that rule, They really are masters of those situations, and oh. That's their advantage oh, over right. a lot of people is that they are better in all those situations and everybody, that's like the Bill Belichick thing. And that rule about the ball or the clock not stopping till the ball hit the ground, it was something that was awesome to watch like our team work on that situation where if it's fourth down and there's six seconds left, as opposed yep. to going out and punting, roll out and roll right, it. throw it as high as you can in the crowd. Yeah. It's like, okay, so now we no longer have to deal with punting it out of the end zone or whatever the case is. Right. So it's very interesting to see them fail in those monumental situations that the uh, Patriots are always good at. But for me, Bill Belichick taking a team on the road same day against the Super Bowl champions and one of the best teams that we've ever kind of seen configured and getting his team in that game with a plan like, hey, obviously they're going to be bend, but don't break defense. We're going to give them field goals. Mm -hmm. That's a win for us. And we're going to try to get go. And that was a real game until the fourth quarter with a couple mistakes out of Julian Edelman. But that yeah. day started at like 7 a.m. It ends there at like 10 p.m., 11. That's a long ass day for the Patriots. I thought that their wind and could potentially get them, but I thought they put up a hell of a fight. And if you're a Patriots fan, you got to be very happy with that outcome without cam because with cam probably a very different story oh i 100 agree i think i think they're in fine position i mean the bills are legit the jets and dolphins aren't going to cause them any problems so they have a chance to either win the division again or be second but where do you think they go from here i know stidham got to play at the end of the game and i thought that was a smart move by belichick at least getting him some burn you know give him some time and more or less a more meaningful game against the Defense is playing well in a tough situation on the road. See what he's made of. But where do you think they go from here? Have they made an announcement about who's going to start yet? And because Cam's got to be out at least this week too, correct? Uh, he's asymptomatic, right? Which I guess puts him in a different category for how many days he has to be out of the building. I think he has. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's asymptomatic, which somehow has become a big talking point out of everybody. Like, oh, he's asymptomatic, though. He's asymptomatic, though. And they're saying it in a fashion in which he could return quicker than somebody who is symptomatic like this week quicker i don't know because what you have to you have to pass two negative tests right and those things yeah I, right you got to post two yeah so i don't know how but they're testing every day no yeah that's why i didn't fully understand why the titan steelers game was so quick to get moved because if you're testing uh. everybody every day i thought the whole goal of that was to be able to keep people sequestered from other people so that if somebody does have a positive we can move them away from everybody else and kind of keep it moving that's why i thought teams right. had to have a longer list of players that they could pull in yeah i thought they were just going to suit up with some replacements kind of thing like keanu reeves was going to come in and play me too. And I had sources. Oh, by the way, if Shane Falco dons the field this NFL season, I will lose my mind, Sanchez. But I was told from my sources, okay, and I don't have a lot of them, but my sources told me that in July, the NFL basically told them that they don't care about competitive fairness this year. So, like, some stadiums, oh. some sta when it came to COVID, not like overall, but yeah. some stadiums are going to have fans. Some teams are probably going to be without players because they have positive tests on Friday. We're just going to do what we have to do. So whenever I saw them postpone the game completely, I'm like, maybe the NFL kind of came back. Yeah. It was like, we can't we can't put this team in this leverage of a position, I guess. I don't know. It would be interesting yeah. to see how I, I it plays out. I thought it was funny how uh, one of the other teams, I can't remember if it was Baltimore or somebody else, but it was just like, wait, wait, wait. Why are we switching our schedule for you? y'all got COVID, that's a you problem kind of thing. Like they just, like, we don't care, bro. You guys take the L. We'll see you later on in the season. All of Pittsburgh. Yeah, they were pissed. Oh, even like Cam Hayward was tweeting because 
A yeah. bye week is massive for players, right? A bye week is massive. Yeah. Mentally, physically, everything like that. In the Steelers, they didn't even know they were on a bye week until, what, Friday of the bye week or whatever? And they've been at the facility all day. I mean, they were just like, oh, what the? Could somebody have told us we had a bye week? It would have been a much yeah. different thing. But that's God, the world. You think uh, when playoffs come around, you think there's some sort of bubble in effect? I don't know. I, I talked to Aaron Rodgers here just like an hour ago or whatever. Name dropper. Yeah, no, no big deal. Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays. <laughs> you have seen it. It's got a biz- big hammer yeah, on well, A-Rod. I'll tell you, Aaron Rodgers does have a big hammer, and he, he dropped it. <laughs> he dropped it in the middle of the conversation. But we, we asked him about the thought of a bubble, you know, for playoffs. Mm-hmm. Because much like baseball is doing, I think baseball, they just want to get to the playoffs. And once they get to the playoffs, they're like, hey, let's not mess this up. Let's go ahead and try to bubble this thing. The NBA, obviously, everybody like that. And I uh, I laughed while Aaron Rodgers was talking about it because how miserable that would be for them, right? I mean, it would be absolutely miserable for them to have to go into a bubble. Yeah. And it wouldn't really be feasible in the NFL with the amount of humans that are involved for every single team. Doctors. It's a big bubble. Trained. It's, I mean, that would have to be a city almost. Maybe Bezos could make it happen. <laughs> the Amazon bubble for the NFL playoffs. but that's Like somewhere a, in New Mexico or something. Just build just a out city in the middle out of nowhere. There. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> it would be tough though. I think that'd be very tough. And if you make it to the yeah. playoffs, you got to think, all right, we kind of have it figured out hopefully. Let's Let's just go ahead and let the dice roll a little bit more. But I think there's going to be a delay at some point. I think there's going to be a week that they call off. The The information that we've been told is that the hotels in Tampa Bay, where the Super Bowl is, the NFL has right to first refusal for all the hotels for an extra month afterward. Wow. Oh, they built in a buffer then. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that'll happen. But I'm not 100% no. sure, obviously. And nobody knows hmm. anything about anything in this world anymore. Okay. Yeah. I don't know anything ever. Um, let's see. That's not true. Uh, yeah. Sanchez, I've heard you talk on Saturday when they do those little cuts to the studio. You always look so good. Okay, you're always so dressed Appreciate up, it, man. so professional in there. And then you drop little gems in there, too. I try to. Kevin Nagandi, dude, he's like freaking Steve Nash, bro. Just sets up assist after assist, like leads you in with great questions. I love working with him. He's, he's really good. Do you guys sit there all day? Oh, dude, all day. But we have like 10 screens with all the games on it. It's great. And uh, my, <laughs> the worst thing, so like when you see a big play, you have to explain to everybody which TV you're watching. You can't just go like, oh, interception, sack, oh, because then everybody's like, where, 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 you know? And they could have been watching and it kind of screws everybody up. And it's taken me a long time to figure that out. <laughs> so Booger McFarland's like, Sanchez, can you please say what team you're watching <laughs> and what television? Because this is really pissing me off. I can't find what you're looking at. I would like to celebrate so. alongside you, but you're being incredibly yeah. selfish with your lack of exactly. knowledge of what TV you're <laughs> fucking watching right now. That's awesome. Bro, it is so funny. He just gives me a look. He's just like, man, you are something else. <laughs> I like Booger a lot, by but the way, watching him on TV. He's great. I wanted to talk Jalen Ramsey, Golden Tate. Holy cow. I mean, this has some deep-rooted feelings and emotions uh, with Golden Sister and Jalen and the kids. And then you saw that form tackle in the game. I mean, that had some emotion behind it. Damn, bro, he smoked him. Jalen Ramsey with a spine buster on Golden Tate there. While he, and he caught him perfectly. He was up in the air. I mean, it was a moment. Yeah. And I believe... And he blew up the blocker. Oh, yeah. I mean, he won Dude, he tossed his ass out the club and then just picked up Golden Tate. Yeah, and I'm happy I'm not in any that of these situations. Crazy. Okay, I'm very happy that I'm not involved in any of these situations, but apparently yeah. Golden Tate's nephews 
uh, uh, call Jalen Ramsey dad, but then he left Golden Tate's sister while uh, you told me this moments ago, I guess she was pregnant at the time. So that is one yeah. of those deep personal hatreds. And boy, Oof. it caused a fight during the game. It caused a fight after the game. Actually. And I'd assume that this fights will not end. I assume this is going to continue. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about 10 years from now, if Jalen <laughs> and Golden Tate's sister kind of, you know, uh, uh, recon, re, recon, reconcile. Reconcile is the word? Reconcile. Look at that. Hey, yeah. that's an SAT word. I feel pretty good about that. If they reconcile, though, and they're at like Thanksgiving or Christmas and go, oh, go gosh. oh, that conversation about the spear and then the fight and then this. And that's just a I wild. said pass the sweet potatoes. <laughs> it would be battle. That that doesn't seem like that's going to end anytime Dude. soon, though. I heard Jalen was waiting outside the locker room, won another round at it. I assume that's going to oh, happen I'm sure. forever at this point. They should just, honestly, somebody should just, Put some gloves on him, let him go in the ring, and say, all right, this is it. You guys can box each other, and that's it. Just do it one time. You know, I, I had a lot and of— And it's was, over. I, I'm a fan of the way Jalen Ramsey plays the football, okay? Golden Tate won me over there where he was at that ski resort. Did you ever see this? He's at a ski resort. No. He's got a onesie on. It's like an American flag onesie. He has his right leg up as if he's like Captain Morgan, and somebody hucks a beer at him. He snags the beer— chugs it with a group of people around and he throws it over his head and it was like all caught on camera and i'm like i fucking love that guy i'll tell you i don't know a lot about him but i love that guy right there so that's how i feel about the fight i, I take no sides i think they're both legends out here that's funny hey are you on that uh, ncaa football game above your head right there yeah 2010 bro you were on the cover of one of those games yeah i got a tattooed on my back too no you don't do you really <laughs> i don't i don't I wish. But that's legendary. I got the Pat McAfee show tattooed on my back. No, no, no. Don't do that. No, 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 no. We're not going to last long enough for that to matter. You know what I mean? But the NCAA games, people are still fighting for that to come back. And you're one of the faces. Dude, they got to bring it back. Half. They can bring it back. Start paying these players. Every year when you were an NFL player, you got a Madden check. Yep. It's not that hard. Did you get paid for this? Yeah. I had to do a photo shoot and a couple of promotional things. But this was like... You know, 2010, so Twitter, like, was starting to blow up. Facebook was getting big. There was no Instagram yet. But, yeah, it was it was cool. We did a little photo shoot and, like, promo stuff for it. It was fun. Oh, you're so cool, dude. I completely forgot about how <laughs> Sanchez ruled the world there for a long yeah, time. Yeah, right. I, I did. I forgot um, about that. I forgot about you ruling the world. We're same draft class, stop. obviously. And yeah. rookies. Some I'm trying to remember where we first met. I think it was Symposium. Yeah, when I was running around with Stafford, we were dropping stink bombs in everybody's rooms. You remember that? You guys were so cool. You guys had like $175 million guaranteed between the two of you. And we're being held hostage by your asses. I mean, it was a wild time to be alive for sure. But I think that was it. I, I, I enjoyed your candor then, I believe. <laughs> He's the best, dude. I love Staff. Still, um, still doing it. I'm trying to remember. Well, last year at the Sugar Bowl uh -huh. was... One of the first times I got to sit down and, like, talk with you. Uh -huh. uh, but, I mean, we played against each other. I didn't really do much in those games. I watched you play a lot. You were playing against a team I played for. Yeah, but you were kicking the ball. I want to let you know. And also, if I would have played linebacker, probably would have got to you a couple times. I, I was a little bit explosive, <laughs> but I wasn't. But, yeah. You're, you didn't give me the Jalen Ramsey treatment? Yeah, don't worry about that spine buster for old Sanchez over there. Remember <laughs> when you farted in my symposium room? Hi-ya-ka! You know what I mean? Had to do what I had to do there. But, yeah, I think last year we got a chance to really talk to each other for the first time. Good conversations. Talk to me about growing up. Did you think about playing pro football as 
a young kid in Plum, Pennsylvania? East Hills of Pittsburgh, where the ballers ball and the players play Plum Borough. The um, thing about Plum is we're all Mustangs here, okay? The uh, Plum Mustangs didn't win a lot of games, but we had a lot of fun. <laughs> no, I, I was always a big fan of NFL football. We were a Steelers household, right? My dad and mom, mm -hmm. diehard Steelers fans. Pittsburgh, notoriously big-time football town. If the Steelers yeah. win, everybody's happy. Steelers lose, everybody's miserable, especially back then with the team we had. It was a really good team. So I grew up in an NFL town, big-time NFL fan, but I always played soccer, right? I was always a soccer player. Yeah, what position in soccer? It depends at what level. So whenever you go, like, cup soccer... Uh, which is like AAU basketball or whatever. I'd play striker, which is a goal scorer because I yeah. had a rocket of a leg. But then for ODP and as you got bigger, I didn't have the best cardio. And up at striker, you got to run a lot. So they put me in uh, uh, middle back basically so I could just kind of sit back there okay. and just hit long ball. So it kind of depends on the level. But I had a lot more colleges looking at me for soccer than I did for football. And uh, mm -hmm. I think the punt, pass, and kick thing kind of expedited the whole process. I win that. I win the national championship of that. I kick my junior and senior year. And it wasn't until probably senior year where the thought or consideration was like, I could probably play professionally here if I wanted to kick balls professionally. I was kicking like 70-yard field goals, 65-yard field goals. I had a very strong leg. I didn't have that great yeah. of a cardio work ethic. That's why soccer kind of failed me a little bit. But I, I knew that... If I wanted to go professional and be rich in America, kicking a ball was the way to do it. If I wanted to go professional and be rich in Europe, soccer would be the way to do it. And right. that was kind of my decision. I don't know if soccer would have worked out, but I felt very early that football would have worked out. And I think it was like my senior year of high school. So that was really when yeah. the dream even started. And there was obviously a lot of obstacles and hurdles, but we made it. And it's a pretty, pretty lucky thing to, to have happen, obviously. No doubt. What about um, how did you choose Morgantown? West Virginia, over any other schools. What was the reason? Well, there wasn't a lot of offers. You know, it's not like a Mark Sanchez, okay? So let's fucking realize that the world isn't like the Sanchez on the cover <laughs> of NCAA Football <laughs> 10. You know what I mean? Stop. No, there was, I was committed to Kent State. I was going to be, oh, wow. I was going to be a Golden Flash. And yeah. it was when I met. Like uh, Edelman, right? Isn't that Edelman? Cribs, Edelman. Yeah, all the boys. Yeah, over. Josh Cribs. Yeah, wow. Josh Cribs. All the boys. Boys <laughs> over there. So I was supposed to go to all Kent State. All the ballers. Yeah, they, by the way, Kent State was a cool place. They were very nice to me. A month before signing day, I got invited to a kicking camp down in Miami. Uh, I played in a poker game, won enough money to fly myself down to the kicking camp. I win said kicking camp. The next day, West Virginia walks into my cafeteria uh, at school. They tell me they like to offer me a scholarship. I had partied in Morgantown a couple of times because a couple of my friends went to school down there and it was like an hour and a half from where I grew up at. It was a great time. I thought it was a bigger opportunity than Kent State. I kind of felt bad about the good people at Kent State that I'd say no, but then I end up at West Virginia and I just... Uh, you know, it kind of worked out. I got a chance to ride some really good coattails and Pat White, Steve Slate, Noah Schmidt and the boys. And I just kind of, yeah. there was no reason that I was in the situations I was in in the football world with West Virginia, but I was just trying to enjoy the hell out of them, man. Dude, I love that. So one of our um, co-producers here, Scotty McKnight, played for Colorado, the Buffaloes. You guys played against each other. Yeah, I hit the upright in the fucking overtime. Left upright. Uh, Never, ever forget it. Son of a bitch. He just... <laughs> He just was telling me that story. Off I could have hit a 64 yarder though, as as regulation was ending, and I was I didn't I wasn't allowed to attempt it. And then we ran like a a zone left or something like that, and uh, we end up fourth down close. We had the ball first. I fucking hit the upright. I'll never it dong the loudest dong ever. Uh, I think I think because the air is so thin up there, the dong just went. It radiated a lot louder after <laughs> I bombed it off of that thing.
It's a bad night in Colorado, dude. Damn. Bad night. Damn. Yeah, it happens. Sanchez, I'm gonna, I'm Scotty gonna said thank you. Yeah, I hope you had I'm a sorry. great night over there, bub. <laughs> I hope you had a great <laughs> night. Jeez. It's an awesome night. Um, and then talk about your um, some of your favorite memories. I mean, eight years with the Colts, playing with Peyton Manning. Uh, were you there when Luck was there or no? You're already gone. I was there with Luck. Yeah, his first uh, three years, four years. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. It was very interesting, you know, because obviously uh, nobody in the NFL saw me as a punter as opposed to Bill Polian. So I played in the Senior Bowl as a kicker. So I was mm -hmm. a kicker in the Senior Bowl. I got a chance to uh, – that's where I met Ray and Clay and uh, Cushing and them because we're all on the South team or whatever, you know. So yep. it was – that I was kicking there, and I met with a couple coaches at the Senior Bowl, and they asked me – like, what do you think you'll do in the NFL? And I was like, I think I can do both, you know? Because at that point in college, we did the rugby punt, and I would run right. to the side, and then i kind of roll it. But I thought maybe yeah. I could figure it out if I had to. And a lot of the coaches told me they were like, because um, the NFL style of punting is much different than a rugby style of punt. Yeah, why don't they do that in the NFL? Because only two players are allowed to leave the line of scrimmage before the ball is kicked in the NFL. In college, everybody oh. can leave the line of scrimmage before the ball is kicked. So when you're rolling out, your coverage team's getting down the field. In the NFL, uh, if you roll out, you're leaving your pocket, basically. So you're kind of, yeah. you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Or what about the punt setup where everybody's super spaced out? Yeah, that's college. That's a rugby one because they're all allowed. But you can't just hike it straight and kick it normal like an NFL-style kick with that formation? You could, but you'd be wasting the weapon of that thing because the weapon of it is while you're rolling to the right, everybody's running down everybody's the field. Everybody's making their way down. Yeah, so it kind of it takes away the return completely because you got yeah. three guys on top of you, basically, and the ball's just rolling. So that was the style of punting I did in college was like roll out, kind of hit it on the ground, yeah. maybe bomb it every once in a while. But I thought if I had to, I could figure out the NFL style. Not that I had at that point, but I thought I could. And I was told by a special teams coach, I won't say his name now because he's a good dude. He said, if I were you, you're at the senior to kick field goals, I would never punt a football again. And I was like, okay, gospel. There's a special teams coach telling me that. So I didn't even punt after that. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to focus on kicking field goals, kicking field goals, kicking field goals. And then the Colts, whenever they had me work out, kicked field goals. And I was like, why are the Colts having me work out for field goal? They have Vinatieri. And they were like, oh, why don't you punt yeah. a couple? Why don't you punt a couple too? And I hit the ball well. And then I get drafted to the Colts to punt. I was supposed to get drafted to the Cowboys to kick. And it was just like a whirlwind. And I get, I get to the Colts, obviously. And now I'm the punter there. We go undefeated until we choose to lose to you guys. We go all the way to the Super Bowl, and I'm playing. I'm just playing in a position that I'm not supposed to be in. I'm like, this is the dumbest life of all time. So I think that whole first year <laughs> is maybe my favorite memory. It was just like because I was living the most insane life, and it shouldn't have happened. And it was just I'm the luckiest dude on earth. So I think that is probably favorite memory of all time. What about Tom Moore? Do you have any good Tom Moore stories? First time I met him. Tom Moore, legend, obviously, backed up Johnny Unitas Best. at one point. Uh, where did you run into him at? He was a, a consultant for the Jets one year in like 13 or 12 or something like that. I went down to visit him in South Carolina. And, dude, he smoked like a chimney. Oh, my God. And uh, I went to a Christmas party with him. Like a, They did like this late Christmas party in January where you go and take gifts that you didn't like that you received and you give them to other people and you like re-gift everything. It's a re-gifting party or something. Great party. But he said, um, he said, we'll go to my office. Uh, we'll go to my office in the morning and we'll watch some tape. Then we'll go to the party. And I was like, all right, cool. So he wakes me up at four in the morning. Okay, we went to bed at like 10.30. He wakes me up at four in the morning and we go to his office. 
First thing uh, we go in is to this coffee place that he stops at in the morning, some general store. And the guys in there that whole year um, were, was telling me a story that as soon as you guys lost to the Saints, like three days later, he was back home in South Carolina. And when he walked in the general store, they started playing when the Saints go marching in. Oh. Just to mess with them. I was like, oh my God. I was like, that's horrible. And he goes, he's my best friend, but he's a yeah, he, Tom Moore is a legend, and he's been around game for a long time. I can't believe they buried him like that at that general store. He's probably spent thousands oh. of dollars on coffee. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so we watched tape, like, till my eyes bled all day long and then went to this party. He was the coolest dude I've ever been around. He was hilarious. He's still doing it, by the way, with Tampa right now. I do believe he's in Tampa. It's so cool. So cool. I don't know what he would do if he didn't have football. The first time I met him, he had... Uh, White wine on ice. He had ice in his wine or whatever. And it was at like a, uh, like an outdoor band area. And I had these boat shoes on that were, uh, they had a lot of colors on them. Like they were pretty, I, I believe they were polo boat shoes. There was like blue, there was yellow, green on there. Yeah. You know, they were a little loud or whatever. And I was with Curtis Painter. And Curtis Painter's like, oh, Tom Moore's over there. Have you ever met him? I'm like, no. So we go over there and I can't do his voice, but he didn't even say hello to me. He just looked at my shoes and goes, nice shoes. I wouldn't be caught dead in those. And I was like, all right, nice meeting you. I'm going to get out of here. And I just kind of walked it off. But he was a legend of it. That was the first time I met him. He was a legend. Dude. Still is. Still is. Somebody wrote a book. I don't think it was Tebow. It might have been Tebow. But he was, they wrote a book when we were on the Jets. And he goes, I need two copies of the book. And I was like, okay. And so the person was like, all right. He goes, one to take a shit on and one to wipe my ass with. <laughs> I was like, jeez. No, he's the best. <laughs> like, you're horrible. You're the meanest guy I know. It was really funny, though. And he did not care. He did not care at all about that situation. He just kept it moving and dropped another legendary one-liner <laughs> yes, to the next person dude. that he talked to. He just crushes people. I love it. Let's get back to some of your career accomplishments, Pat. This is, I mean, this is incredible. I know you... You're giving me some love for the NCAA poster, but you go all pro punter to the Pat McAfee show, professional wrestling, comedy, you're doing stand-up. I don't know how. You gotta be going hungry there. Uh, but when when do you have time to do all this, Pat? I don't, you know, thanks for all those things you just said. We're very, very nice of you. I'm not really a stand-up comedian because uh I can't. I don't really think of like create things. I just recap stories that I've been a part of. Yeah, and I can't yeah. retell the story numerous times. Like stand-up comedians have this incredible ability and it's not talked about enough about how not only creative they are and everything like that, but the ability to deliver a joke or a story in the same fashion five, six times in a right. weekend and then do it again. That is a very tough skill that I do not have. So I'll get on a stage and tell stories. It's more like a one-man show as opposed to stand-up comedy, but sure. I only do it like once a year, once every other year, because it's like, I got to get these stories out and I'll never be able to tell them again. So let me go ahead and right. try to make the most of it. So <laughs> if that makes any sense, I enjoy the hell out of it though. Like I have a blast doing it, but it's not something I would consider myself like great at or good at. Have you ever been booed off stage or anything? No, no. Standing ovation every time. I mean. <laughs> standing ovation every time. Couple of them. Uh, most shows. Any, no hecklers? No hecklers? No. 
They're all my people. You know what I mean? All these people buy yeah, these tickets it. off of my Twitter, basically, and it's my friends that are up on the stage with me. It's more of like <laughs> just a, it's a celebration. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. really like there's, if I was to go into those open mic nights that some people go into, I would bomb so hard. I feel like that'd be a lot of anxiety. That's tough, man. For me, I've, the first show I did was in front of like 2,800 people or something. It was in a theater. So wow. I've always done theaters. Whenever I was asked to do a comedy club one time, I was so intrigued by it because it's so it's such a cooler experience, by the way. Like the, yeah. the smaller room. It's intimate, yeah. It's awesome. But if you there's people that go up in there and there's none of their fans there and they know nothing about the person and you just have to be funny with these people knowing nothing about you. I have, That's hard. Impossible. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to do it. So comedians that make it, I'm so impressed by because there's a lot of rooms that they had to walk into that nobody had a clue who they were and they had to make them laugh. So no I have a lot of respect for that. So I, I would never call myself a stand-up comedian for a lot of reasons, but that is one of them. Um, when it came to professional wrestling, I mean, I would still be undefeated if it wasn't for that one match, which doesn't get talked about enough. Huh? <laughs> Hold on. You said you'd still be undefeated if it wasn't for that one match. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, I'd be an undefeated professional wrestler right now if it wasn't for just that one time I lost. You know what I mean? Are you going to go back? I don't know, dude. It is so... You got to go. Dude, you would look jacked. I saw you working out on Instagram. You were sweating your ass off on that damn stair machine. Well, it was Stairmaster. Welcome to the world. Whatever. The, um, the, the timing was perfect because it was my wedding. So I was getting in shape for my wedding. And I didn't want to be a fat ass because I know these pictures are going to be viewed for a long, long time. And I wanted to be handsome enough that my wife would say yes, obviously. So yeah, I got in a shape. Yeah, of course. Love. I love love. Very happily married, by the way. Love, I, I'm love, enjoying love. the hell out of marriage. It's actually, it's been a blast. But that's neither here nor there. I was in shape for the wedding. And it was just a couple weeks after that. So it like fell into like a perfect timing. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Sanchez, I am a fat ass. Like if there is not an actual goal in front of me, I am okay with eating. It's hard. Every, I know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's a lot harder to be like for wrestlers. You obviously have to be very athletic. Uh, you have to be tough because it hurts like hell in there. I mean, it, my body the next day was so, so sore. But I saw you jump up to the top rope. You just like box jumped up to the top rope and then boom. Yeah. That was awesome. Had to do it. Had to do it, Sanchez. I don't know if I could do that. I'd have to work out for a little bit. Well, yeah, probably not too. I mean, that was a pretty high box jump. Let's not act like I'm not incredibly explosive. I mean, that is <laughs> what it is in that whole thing. But the Fast twitch, huh? Yeah, fast twitch. I mean... Work. You should see me bring my lunch pail to work, too. I mean, I'll do first one in, last one out, the whole thing, you know what I mean? But I was so sore the next day. I don't know if I'm tough enough to do that again. I've always been a fan of wrestling, big fan of mm -hmm. wrestling. I think you could tell by listening to me, my personality was molded during the Monday Night Wars. I think you could tell, you can sense a little stone cold in me. You can sense a little rock in me. There's a little degeneration. There's a lot of Ric Flair in me. So you can kind of see that my personality was molded around professional wrestling. And I always thought I was born to be a professional wrestler. I was telling people that in high school, college. So for me to get a chance to go and do it, you know what I mean? It was awesome. That's cool. But I have the utmost respect, even more so for them now, after feeling what I felt on Sunday afterwards, then Monday the next Day, then Tuesday the next day, and then Wednesday. You're was, still sore. Oh my God, dude. Because you, your whole back, you're just getting, I mean, it is just yeah. a, I mean, granted, you got killed on a regular basis. I don't know how you did Oof. it either. But for me, yeah, I was yeah. I was not tough enough for that whole thing. So I just, yeah. I just enjoy, my brain never stops. So I'm always going, who knows what I'll do next. Hopefully it'll be good. And I got boys alongside of me kind of enjoy the entire ride, you know? That's really cool. That's really cool. It looked like you had a blast. You looked great. Um, and yeah. You see that spray tan? It was, it was nice. How were the bed sheets after that? Was your wife pissed? 
you just leave it orange everywhere? So the night before was tough, right? So the night before I get the spray tan, but you got to let that thing cook. For those who have never done the spray tan before, you got to let that cook like four hours or so. And the particular shade that I decided to get that spray tan occasion was a very, 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 very tan shade of tan that you can spray paint on your body. And I got on that mattress like five hours afterwards mm -hmm. and I showered first, you know, to get the residue off. Yeah, the yeah. whole bathroom turned orange, uh, I mean, the entire bathroom. And then I laid down, I woke up the next morning. It looked like a dead body had been printed on the thing. <laughs> I mean, it was a dark, dark bronze that I had on there. Made me look skinny though. Look good on you, look good on you. Speaking of WWE and NFL, they're kind of Cross, which is the XFL. With The Rock and your experience with the XFL as a sideline reporter, is this going in the right direction? Are they going to have a season next year? Where do you think they go? You know, I don't know. This, the XFL will be wrongfully judged as a league that failed twice, okay? Yeah. And I don't think the XFL ever really got a fair shake. And I'm not saying that because I have made money from the WWE before and I have made money from the XFL before. I'm saying that because the first time around, it wasn't created with the idea of it being on national television every week. It was created as a live show. Like, hey, we're going to make a live mm -hmm. show. And then I forget the guy's name. They lost the bidding rights for something. He goes to Vince McMahon. They ask basically, hey, Vince, you want to put this on national television, primetime television? Then it becomes the spectacle that it is where The Rock's cutting promos on the TV and Vince McMahon's right. this is the XFL and all that shit. Right, and I don't right, think right. it was supposed to be like that. So it disappears or whatever. Then the next time it comes back, it's getting over a million viewers per game, which is incredible numbers. I think anybody would say that. Uh, it's it's has a guy at the top, Oliver Luck, who has experience in this world. They have TV deals with ESPN and Fox. They had a lot of teams yeah. put together they had i think a lot of things were going very very right and a lot of things in the universe had to time up together for the xfl to work the last time then the nachos guy in seattle who gave covid to everybody at the xfl game the dragons game or whatever that kind of yeah. put a halt to everything but i think the xfl if it is to work again with the rock who said, we're going to work harder than everybody, and I respect that, Rock. I do respect that you work harder than everybody. I mean, I'm very impressed by your life. But uh, Jerry Jones ain't worried about making a fucking sequel to uh, uh, the Jungle movie or whatever the hell that thing is, whatever his movie is. Like, Jerry Jones is only focused. Jumanji. Yeah, Jumanji. So I'm not 100% sure saying nobody won't work us. It's like the NFL has, they, I mean, they work their asses off to stay on top, and I think everybody yeah. knows that. But I think the XFL, that's, if they can get a deal with ESPN and Fox, and they can get investments from companies and they can find all that. I think it will have success. But this last time, I thought they were really going to go. 20,000 fans were at games that they'd never seen teams before. It yeah. was getting a lot real. I thought it was set up. It was it was tracking in the right direction, I thought. I just don't know if it if the same things will line up here. And that's not the Rock's yeah. fault. Like, I don't think that's the Rock's fault at all. I, I'm happy the Rock is bringing in spring football because I think it's something that's needed for a lot of players in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I just think a lot of things went right last time. I hope they can continue hit on that, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Sirius XM's Mad Dog Radio. So I didn't say congratulations yet for your new Sirius deal. Congratulations. Thank you, Mr. Sanchez. I appreciate that so much. 12 to 3 midday. That's um, that's primetime spot, dude. And you've been with Barstool, with ESPN, with Fox, with DAZN. What was your favorite? I mean, do you have to say Sirius now because you're on Sirius? It's interesting <laughs> because... I was all, I was very lucky to get opportunities with all of them, right? So Barstool, 
my deal with Barstool, Dave and Erica were the only executives in the media world that saw any opportunity with me, right? So when yeah. I retired after making a Pro Bowl, blah, 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 after already doing a stand-up comedy tour, blah, 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 after doing everything like that, already having a podcast and a show, every network told me they had no interest in me, right? Because I was a punter, and that's not a normal position for people to enjoy right. talking about the football on TV. So I didn't – there was no real love loss. I was actually going to build my own app. And I was just going to charge like a buck a month and I was going to make a daily podcast, do my own thing, do some stand up if I had to, whatever. I was just going to enjoy life with my friends, do some philanthropy, do the app and just see how it goes. And Dave Portnoy and Erica kind of got a heads up about that. And they're like, hey, uh, let's we should work something out. We just want to help you uh, basically do whatever you want to do. We want to put you under our umbrella. Yeah. I didn't want to move to New York. I wanted to stay in Indianapolis. And through those that year and a half, two years with Barstool, I got a chance to watch people that have completely taken taking over the business of the internet and watch them work and see how it all works behind the scenes. What year was that? What year did you start with Barcel? Uh, it was right after the churning investment. Uh, I don't know the year. I guess it would be three years ago, 15. Yeah, probably 2015, 2016. I don't know the exact year, but it was after the okay. churning investment. Uh, Dave actually told me like the reason why we got the investment is so we can acquire talent. And we had a great conversation. There was a rev split on there. There was a payment. I got a chance to work with my boys. I got to build my own operation out here in Indianapolis. Yeah. And I was so, so lucky. Like that, that is, uh, my life is a series uh, very lucky events and working for Barstool there for a year and a half was was definitely one of those. Now, granted, yeah. business wise with the internet, you have to be in the room a lot. Me in Indianapolis, them in New York, there was a little bit of a communication situation on on a couple things, sure. and we kind of figured out it was the right time to maybe break off on my own. But that knowledge from them is something that is so big, it's paramount, yeah. and I'm very happy. Guys like Will Compton and Taylor Lewan are going through right now to get to learn because I think there is a path. It's the modern day gold rush, the internet and digital. Yeah, and I think a lot of players' no stories and voices mean a lot more than maybe ESPN or these big networks feel that they do. And then Fox, I got a chance to go on a game or two. That was kind of nice of them, but it was no real deal. ESPN, they made me, uh, we had a deal where it was appearances, Thursday Night Football. Matt Hasselbeck asked for me to be a part of that. Greeny asked me to be a part of Get Up. So it's everywhere yeah. I've been, it's not really like the executives that are like, hey, we want you here. It's always like the talent that's like, hey, we yeah. want this guy to work with us. So nobody really ever wanted to give me and my boys, for good reason, like the Godfather-like deal. You know, like, hey, right. we want we sure. want everything you have or whatever. So sure. I've always had like these little smaller deals with everybody. And yeah. everywhere that I've worked, I've gotten better because of the people that I've gotten to work with. So for me, those relationships with Fox, with ESPN, with The Zone, with Barstow, obviously, that's made us so much better. And we are so, so yeah. lucky for all of those people. But if somebody was to give us a, a deal that would be of proper value in our eyes, that'd be really yeah. cool. And serious. It's great to be back on Sirius, and Sirius is actually licensing our show. So our show is actually a YouTube show that they are licensing and putting on to Mad Dog uh, Radio it. Channel 82. So I still very much own the show, okay? We're the ones selling for the show. They are licensing it, and it's awesome to be back in that relationship, and I hope it gets to grow more because I love Sirius's platform. I love the people. Yeah. I love the people that work at Sirius. I love the people that listen to Sirius, and hopefully that'll come sometime down the road. But right now, we're just kind of our our own operation, just a bunch of dumbasses yeah. on the internet, just trying to create no, stuff every know. single day. No, what's what's from my vantage point? I feel like you have the the reason why Greeny and um, all the other people you've worked with, the talent that you've worked with, want you on their show is because you bring such a different audience, Pat. 
and you have this connection with people through digital, social media, all that kind of stuff that's different. And in, in some ways, I see the comparison and don't let your hammer get too big or your head get too big. I think Dan Patrick, I think Rich Eisen, those guys are like that generation. You're this new wave of, you know, you got props on the set, you're shooting baskets uh, on your set, like you're doing stuff that's fun, cool, new, different, innovative, and you bring in such a young audience and that's what all these people want. They want those eyeballs. So uh, I think you've just done an incredible job. I really do admire what you've done with your team. And then to see you do it, like you said, with your boys, like that me and my best friend are doing this podcast now. That's the coolest thing in the world because it doesn't feel like you're working when you're hanging out with your buddy, you know? So that's um, I really hats off to you guys. I freaking really appreciate what you do. Um, and thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, bro. We got a, we got like just like two more questions, but my buddy just typed on here. This is a tough one because we lose another legend. Did you see this? Eddie Van Halen just passed away from cancer. No, I did not see that. Yeah, 2020 just takes another legend, bro. Anytime somebody like that passes away, you always just go immediately back to the good times and think about damn, damn, yep. damn. And 2020 does feel as if it is just a, a never-ending damn, damn, damn cycle at this point with this. Yeah. That sucks. No doubt. Hey, no doubt. before we talk about Eddie Van Halen, rest in peace, by the way. Thanks for your contributions to society. Uh, can't thank you enough, mm -hmm. obviously. I don't want to speak for Sanchez, but that's how I feel. Um, totally agree. I think what you talked about with your best friend there doing that show, it's really cool, like, getting a chance to build something with people that you know, like, care. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, when I've gotten a chance now to do some work with all these places, and when you're in there, you don't, you're not 100% sure if the person is 100% worried about the content that is going out at this exact moment. Is everybody all on right. the same page? And with us, right. our team is very much on the same page. Like, hey, we're all just trying to get to the same point here. We're just trying to put out good shit. And I think I'm very, very lucky, yet again, lucky that I have the crew with me. So I'm happy you're doing it as well, Sanchez. Your brain's a good appreciate one, it, bub. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to see uh, your thoughts on Bill O'Brien getting fired. Uh, and then is Adam Gase the next coach to go? But go Bill O'Brien first. Adam Gase, interesting. I would like to hear your take on that because you are uh, Jets legend at this yeah. point. Uh, that seems like that's inevitable. It just seems like that is a, I don't know, a time bomb waiting to happen. And for Sam Darnold, that sucks for him because the new person is going to come in, want their quarterback, and Sam Darnold has glimpses of greatness. I mean, he is in a bad spot. Uh, you could probably talk yeah. about that a lot more than me. When it comes to Bill O'Brien, and I talked to a guy named Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports this morning, and he's in Houston, and he said, basically, Bill O'Brien leveraged himself against himself. He has a winning record overall. He took the Texans to the playoffs, won a division that was owned by the Indianapolis Colts for a long time. But when you're the right. general manager – the lead counsel of the team, too. So you're doing all the negotiations, I guess. Also, the offensive coordinator uh, and the head coach. It's just you kind of run out of ability to point fingers elsewhere. So when things go bad, it's right. like, oh, this team is built bad. It's like, okay, well, that's a GM probably. Uh, this team well. is not being coached well. Well, that's probably the coach. The offense just isn't doing well. Well, that's probably the play caller. He has every single job. And then whenever you yeah. think about not having a first-round pick or a second-round pick this upcoming year, it's like, well, that's a GM. Oh, that's you too. So everything that went wrong, he was basically adding responsibilities as things were going bad. He kind of... 
He lost the ability to blame somebody else, which is very real right. in the world that we're in. And when I think who's next, I think that Dan Quinn thing down in Atlanta is getting very, very loud. Matt Patricia in Detroit, Oof. very, very loud. Adam, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of seats that are very hot right now, Sanchez. Really hot. I just, I don't know if it does anything going to the gays, um potential gays fire. I, I just don't know if it does anything for Sam. Like, I, I think you just want to let it play out as much as you can, right? If you're their GM... You're not married to Sam, but you do want to see if he's playing well, if he has any trade value, if we want to pick up his option, make him compete with somebody next year. Like, you're just kind of letting this play out and see where it goes. But I don't know if taking away the coordinator or head coach helps Sam play any better. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's just on a free trial run right now, and he's got a year to take a look at it, analyze it, and say, we'll keep that, we'll ditch that. All right, let's move forward. Mid-season firings are always interesting. Like Romeo Cornell is taking over yeah. the head coaching gig right now. Who's the GM then? Who's the acting GM? Like it's a, <laughs> there's so many. And who's lead counsel? Yeah, he left a lot of empty seats there. One guy leaves. There's like five people down. One quarter of the season done. Okay, we just lost seven positions. We gotta we gotta figure this out, Cal McNair. It's like really important positions. Like, are we gonna sign this guy off for practice squad? I don't know. We don't have a GM. Oh, we'll negotiate. Well, who would normally? Oh, we just fired. Oh, okay. So we don't even got a guy to make that decision. I mean, we're not interested. Oh, dear. Those midseason firings are always interesting to see how it plays out. That's so tough, man. That's so tough. Um, rank your top teams, Chiefs, Seahawks, Packers, Steelers. Where are we at? Oh, also put the Bills in there. Bills Mafia will attack you. Ooh. Go ahead, Bills Mafia. Let's go, Buffalo. I used to love that song. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you it. had to play up there against Bill's Mafia. Oh, dude, remember? And their cheerleaders, remember? They're called the Jills with the high white boots. Kind of cool. The Bills and the Jills. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Just a little nugget for you. I don't care about the Bills and the Jills. Okay? I care about the football on the field. All right? I don't yeah. care. I'm okay. not worried about anything else. Nameless, faceless opponents, okay? I don't care about yeah, me who, neither. who's me on neither. the other side. The, um, for me, I think you got Packers at number two. Just okay. because the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now is Dude. unconscious. It's like silly. It really is. It makes no sense. He's in a he's in his mental frame right now, and I yeah. don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. He said he's been doing a lot of looking within to like make him the best version of himself. The Green Bay mm -hmm. Packers hired like a psychologist too, so I don't know if that's a part of it. Like to make him, he just seems like he's at a point right now where he's very comfortable with the system that Matt Lafleur put in last year. He's very comfortable that if he potentially doesn't end up as a Packer, he's okay with it. He's very comfortable yeah. saying whatever he wants to say. He's just playing in a different level right now and that defense yeah. they are opportunistic they do make big plays they gave up in the nfc championship last year 186 yards before contact on the ground which is not good but it feels not like good. that team with i mean what they did monday night with big bob troyan or whatever the hell his name i mean big Dude. bob just dominant i mean who are these guys he's throwing to he's throwing to running backs 30 40 yards downfield just with ease and smiling about it after i'm like this is incredible. He looks like a freaking cyborg or something. Like he's just dialed in, man. He reminds me of um, in the Last Dance documentary when Jordan was just on fire and kind of gave that look. Like, yeah, dude, his whole season is just like, yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> it's awesome. But yeah, he said, uh, what did he say? He he had an amazing quote on your show, like yesterday or today. He said, um, I didn't want to drop it two times in the same interview, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers on my show today. The uh, he said. 
Because I asked him about people saying he lost it last year, like he was washed yeah. up last year for whatever reason. I have no idea why people are saying, but that was the narrative, like Aaron can't play football anymore. I remember going on Get Up and saying, Greeny, on your show, thank you. You're letting people say on this desk that Aaron Rodgers is not a good quarterback. Greeny, your show, you're letting people say that. And they're like, well, these stats say it and his, his deep attempts and his incompletions. It's like the guy never turns the ball over, okay? Never, ever turns yeah. the ball over. And he's still playing. And he said uh, to me today, he said, um, he said, you know, my bad years uh, or what people laugh, or he laughs because what people would consider bad years for him would be career years for other quarterbacks. And it's like, what exactly. a, I, I'm so happy he said that because it's like- Me too. He's getting attacked right now on the internet by some people like, well, that's the Aaron Rodgers that we thought he was. It's like, no, it's Aaron Rodgers finally saying, like, hey, get off my ass, will you? Like, yeah. talk about yeah. it. Because he deserves it. He's unbelievable right now, and he has been for a long time. So I got Chiefs, Packers. I guess you put the Seahawks there at number three. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ravens up in there, I guess. Steelers are another team that I have up in that top echelon. I they're think, good. I think they're a team that is going to really punish some people. That defensive line yeah. is next level. And the Buffalo Bills, I like them as well. So I think there's obviously those six up there. But I got the Packers as the number two team on earth right now behind the Chiefs. And that's strictly because to be the man, you got to beat the man. And nobody's beat the yep. Chiefs. And uh, that's just how I feel about it. I agree. Uh, the bottom of the barrel is one of the last ones here. Falcons, Jets, Texans, Giants. I mean, both of these New York teams look terrible. But of those four, who's the worst? The Jets. You guys Dang. stink, dude. You guys. Stink. Hey, can you explain that onside kick that the Falcons, Giants, the Cowboys did? The Falcons, yeah. Cowboys thing. Is that like a popular thing now? Is that like a kicker thing? How did? I've never seen that. So the ball not being on the tee. Is something yeah. that people have, you know, kind of fucked around with, like for the last ten years. The chopper ball, a lot of kickers have yeah. kicked before, but it never really worked strictly because back in the day, whenever onside kicks, uh, the team was allowed to run up. With that ball, you need time to let that thing cook a little bit. So unless you kick right. that behind your line that is blocking, that's probably going to hit one of your guys because they're running up First, full speed yeah. with the roll thing. So the fact that guys aren't able to get full speed, I think it gave people a lot of uh, – give it gave them an opportunity to kind of see where the ball was tracking and trailing. The Falcons mm -hmm. not jumping on that ball is – still a special teams blunder that should be talked about more, and it's not because yeah. their answer was they didn't think it was going to turn the way it did, which was a beautiful ball by Greg Zerline, by the way. That's crazy. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. But that was just a – that just felt like a little bit of ineptitude from the special teams not falling on that ball because those are types of things that the special teams coordinator will go over the night before. Like, hey, if this happens, this yeah. happens. Like, it, just run through a couple situations. You walk through all that. You do that in the hotel, you know. Yes. That's like – so yeah. unless they panicked or got um, mesmerized by the spinning ball, which could happen, hypnotized a little bit, which yeah. maybe did happen, that should have been easy to recover. But I'm pumped that GZ pulled it off because it probably won't happen again. Somebody tried it the other day. The guy just jumped on it because that's been shown in every yeah. single special teams room since then. Exactly. Happened. And then talk to us finally about the Pat McAfee Foundation, the scholarships you uh, raise money for. Uh, you got 11 scholarships this year, totaling $75,000. Is that right? Uh, that sounds right. That sounds right to me. It's really about your family. It's about the importance of um, your love for the military, things like that. Tell us about your 
foundation and exactly what you guys do? What's your mission and, and why are you so passionate about it? Well, thanks for bringing it up, Sanchez. That's why you're a professional host and a great host there, uh, getting a chance to talk about this. So Community Tuesdays with the Indianapolis Colts, I would assume the Jets do the same thing. Whenever you're young, mm -hmm. you get out in the community. There's Habitat for Humanity, which is awesome. You go to a hospital, which is awesome. You do a lot of things that are cool. And then when I got a chance to kind of meet up with the military out here, there's a lot of great foundations in Indiana and a lot of military folks out here in Indiana. It was just something that I kind of, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I felt as if like, oh, this, this feels like the right group of humans for me to help out, you know? Uh, one of my brother's best friends growing up, he was in the Army, whenever to Iraq, caught a shrapnel in his leg, and it was just, it was like one of those things where you start putting it together. It makes a lot of sense on why I did it looking back, but at the time, I was like, oh, I feel like I should help these people, and then my dad uh, wanted to get involved as well, so we started the Pat McAfee Foundation, and the way we wanted to help, because military uh, families and everything, there's so many different ways you can help. For us, we thought if we teach the next generation, okay, for uh, comfort scholarship, so it's no money coming out of the family, whether the mom or okay. dad served in the military, we'll give comfort, comfort scholarships to children of military families, maybe they'll go on and they'll be able to take care of their family. Because whenever somebody serves in the military, it's not just the person, it's not just the mom, the dad, it's the entire family, okay? And I think yep. that's what I've learned the most. So we wanted to take care of the family, we provide comfort scholarships, I think we've given over a half a million dollars worth of scholarships in the last like six, awesome. seven years. So we're trying to build it as much as possible and just trying to take care of people, to be honest with you. And it, it's a lot of my dad. Tim McAfee is, is a big proponent behind it. Uh, I just try to help him out as much as possible. And when I get a chance to call them and tell them that they've won a scholarship from us, it's a really cool day. That's got to feel good, man. Yeah, it's a cool day. It's a really cool day. Good. And I've got a chance to meet a lot of great people through it. So uh, it's a lot of fun. And it, it's real fulfillment, you know? Like that's the type of thing yeah. you can't get from a spray tan and a WWE body slam. I get it. Bingo. It's like, you know, that was an awesome day. I feel like, I feel like I genuinely made somebody smile today. Like that's a cool feeling to have. That's and cool. that foundation has done a lot of that. And we appreciate you bringing it up, brother. Yeah, man. You blessed a lot of people. That's cool. But I hear you have a charity golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah. We have a charity golf tournament. What's that? Look at this polo. Are you a good golfer? I play golf? golf, dude. Are you a good golfer? Nah, I'm okay. But I still haven't gotten an invite. Well, this year there was a, it was a COVID tourney. I mean, it was you know it was a social distance, only allowed a certain amount of people. Have to wear the mask here. We got to do this. It was COVID. You can't when COVID's playing golf. You know what I mean? When COVID's playing golf, they beat everybody. You know what I mean? So next year, can I get can I get the invite or what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, I guess, dude. I feel like you're going to be too good of a golfer for the tourney that we run. No, we, we, I'm really not. I'm probably like a 15 handicap. Oh, I'd probably beat you then if you're a 15 handicap. Yeah, you're that bad at golf. No, you're a quarterback. You're good at golf. I just don't play a lot, but I'm okay. Me neither. I was tracking this year. So for my bachelor party, we went and golfed. Oh, that's weird. I didn't get an invite to that either. No, no, COVID. Mm. COVID. Only allowed to a certain yeah. amount of people. It was the people yeah. we were quarantining with. No so doubt. it was my team here. We go Sick. up to uh, Michigan because <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the laws up there with uh, vitamins were great. So we went up there, a lot of golf, a lot of vitamins. And I was playing the best golf I've played probably in my entire life. I mean, we're talking like three, four handicap, and I have not played oh, since. Oh, wow. I was balling. I mean, it was like the Tiger Woods Damn. game where it's like boom, 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 boom every single time. <laughs> and I don't even have clubs that are like fit for me. So I was balling. But that is not normal. I can be terrible the next okay. day. You have to come out, though. We want you to come out. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like you really mean it. I do, I do. I just, you know, I feel like the tournament <laughs> do, is not going to be up to the Sanchez standard. What are you talking about? I don't need anything special. A lot of beers at this golf tournament. That's fine. I'll bring my poster. I'll, I'll be out there. 
Will you sign it for a couple of people, maybe? Maybe we'll sign it. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. we got to raise some money for scholarships, whatever you need. You're a good guy for this. A lot of people say this, by the way, but we got people recording this on this end. We will remember this. <laughs> That's fine. That's good. Who's going to be on your team? Anybody cool? Are you going to bring ringers? You're going to bring really good golfers to try to win that thing, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I probably would try. <laughs> we, got a we got a group of drunk kids from Michigan that are unbelievable <laughs> at golf. And also these uh, young guys, I think from Ohio, came in. They were like 20 under, something like that, 21 under. That's what you need to win those big tournaments like that. Yeah, it feels like a lot of cheating, but I mean. That's a lot of cheating. Um, dude, you're the man. I appreciate you taking time for this. Plug everything that you, I mean, like you need a plug. Pat McAfee show, you know what to do. This is enough of me, to be honest with you. Too much of me is not a good thing. I appreciate you so much, Sanchez. You're the man. Tell the team thank you, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hey, fourth and forever. Gotta punt that. Yeah, man. baby. Gotta punt Let's that go. thing. See ya. Like, share, subscribe, uh, at Mark underscore Sanchez, at fourth and forever, Instagram, Twitter, all that. You know where to go. Thanks again for having us, and we'll see you soon.